OMG, we are so excited to have our guest here on uh, today's episode of Carefully Pop Teaching Musical Theater with Maddie and Kikau. Um, we, this is the third uh, version of a series of talking to young working professionals, and we're so excited to welcome Sarah and Nathan. Um, Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, so I'm Sarah Kay. I use she, her pronouns. Um, currently in the ensemble slash TV reporter in Here Lies Love, and I also understudy Imelda and Maria Luisa. Um, I grew up in California, in Southern California, near LA, and I didn't really do a lot of musical theater growing up. It was sort of something that I stepped into uh, the summer before I went to college for biology. So I did a community theater show, and I instantly fell in love with storytelling and I had like I guess a quarter life crisis <laughs> and thought well maybe if this is something that I'm super passionate about then maybe I should pursue this so I started auditioning for musical theater colleges while in college and ultimately went to Pace in 2019 and got my degree in musical theater uh, just this May. Amazing and Nathan tell us about yourself and, and how you find yourself here in this in this amazing show in this moment. Cool. So uh, my name is Nathan Angelo. I use uh, he, him pronouns. And uh, I'm in the ensemble of Share Life Love as well. And I am in my last semester of college at Montclair State University uh, to get my BFA in musical theater. I'm actually at school right now. I have a voice lesson after this. <laughs> um, and I grew up actually like not performing at all. Um, I like started doing musical theater like probably like my junior year of high school, um, but I primarily played sports before then. I played volleyball and I played football and basketball. Um, and like there was this girl that I really liked that was like auditioning for this like school music club. I was like, sure, like I'll like audition for it too. And then I did it and I was like, oh, like this actually like really, really fun. And it turned into something that I, like, I started to like really love to do. And then before I was like deciding on what I was going to do for college, it turned into something I like needed to do. And that's when I guess there was a paradigm shift for me of being like, oh, like this is something I like to do, but like I'm going to actually pursue it. And so I applied to a bunch of different colleges and landed at Montclair, and it was like the best decision I ever made. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, I I think it's worth mentioning. Um, the fact that I, I saw the show a few, a few weeks back and just absolutely loved it. I did not get a chance to see it when it was uh, at the public. Um, so this was my first interaction with it. Um, fully fell in love. Uh, this is it, the first show in a long time that I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not only going back, but I'm going back multiple times um, because I just know there's different points of view and that immersive theater experience like it's not just a show you can see once I just want to throw that out there um just to just to start us off with these questions um what has being in this show been like um and you could approach that from from any aspect so being in this really cool uh immersive amazing production um what what is that what is that has what has that been like um I think for me it's it truly I think we can say this for both of us it's a dream come true especially I mean Nathan's still in college and I just graduated in May I never thought this would have happened just straight after graduating um 
but it's a very, very special experience. It's always been a dream of mine to be one, a part of an original Broadway cast, but also telling a, an important story and being with other POCs in the cast and creative team. That was always something that I wanted to do. Um, so to be able to do both at once and then also add in the immersive element, it, it truly is a dream come true. Sarah, um, you had said that you recently graduated, but I'm not sure I caught where you got your degree. Where did you go to school? I went to Pace. Pace. Okay, sorry. Um, sorry, Nathan. You you were gonna talk about the experience. Oh no, it's, it's all good. I mean, like to piggyback off of that too. Like for me, I I never thought an experience like this were to ever happen. So like the fact that it's happening now is like is really just spending my I guess perspective on what is possible for um, our industry and what's to come for it. Because uh, I think we're in a big transitional period of making people fit themselves into boxes that happen to be convenient and allowing people to dive deeper in themselves and allow people, like for a lot of us in the show, like really like rediscover our relationship with ourselves, our culture, our food, our community, you know, it's, it's been this really big, beautiful, just wonderful experience. And, and that's just the cultural side of things too. Like now when we talk about the show, you know, it's groundbreaking in the way that it incorporates the audience in the show. It's groundbreaking in the way that we've renovated the theater to be a literal nightclub. And after last night, a literal nightclub, <laughs> like it, it's just been, it's been so surreal and I'm just, I'm really just so grateful for everything that's come along with it. And I'm just so excited to see like the rest and, and the fact that it's only going to go up from here is such a crazy thought to me, but I'm just so excited. Yeah. So um, the, the format and, and what they did with the theater is obviously really exciting and different and historic in a lot of different ways, but also one of the, th it's important to note that one of the things that is also historic and important about the show is the identities that are being represented on stage and the fact that as far as i understand this is the first time an, an entirely filipino cast has has told a filipino story on a broadway stage that that is that i have my history right right correct right okay i mean and that's that's phenomenal and i i'm wondering if you i mean before we came on on online kika was talking about his identity and and being half Filipino, half Hawaiian, and being able to go to see the theater and you know see himself on stage like one for the one of the first times ever. I'm I'm curious if if you could talk a little bit about that part of the experience and um, does that feel special? Is or or does it feel is there pressure attached to that? Like how how talk about that if you don't mind. Yeah, I feel like for me, there's no pressure at all. If anything, I feel more pride than I ever have had being Filipino. And having this cultural identity being shared by all of us has been so special. It's like we've created this entire new family within the, what, three months we've been doing this show so far. And I just, I feel so embedded within my culture. And also just musical theater in general, it's, I mean, they don't call it the great white way for nothing. And I think for me, I'm half Filipino and half Polish. I've always struggled with identity being half one thing, half another and where I fit into those two groups. But specifically in musical theater, I 
didn't really know where I fit. It was I the leading blonde blue eye type, even though I don't look that way, but um, feel like I could play something like that. I don't know. I, I was always trying to figure out where I belonged in this industry. And I think with this show in particular, I that just doesn't exist anymore. And that's very special, especially with this being our first job and it being on Broadway. Indeed, yeah. And also, like, on, on the other side of things, too, like, as you were saying, like, Tika, seeing the show and, like, seeing yourself represented on stage, like, what's so amazing is, like, after the show, we walk out and see, like, ourselves in the audience, you know? Because it's, like, it never in my life have I seen so many Filipinos gather, just gather, actually. Like, really, like, <laughs> it's, been pretty, it's been pretty wild, like, the amount of turnout and support from our own community, which is such an honor to represent. And, like, going out there and having people who, like, had to live through martial law or, like, had to go through all these trials and tribulations and, like, see our show, get impacted by it, and give them, like, a space to actually converse about it instead of kind of just putting it away. Like, there's, there was one prospect that we had with, like, this group of Filipinos from um, New Jersey, and, and one woman was saying that, she like watching our show she was remembering and like, being there at, at the being there watching like the photos of Imelda and her jewelry being burnt and it was just like to be able to allow people and give people like a space to feel has been the biggest really biggest blessing I think seeing this show. So you uh, Sarah just recently graduated Nathan you're still in school, which is just amazing. Um, you know, something I think about is is the amazingness of the immersive production and all the technical things that are happening. Um, I just can't imagine there's anything that in school that is preparing you for an experience like that, right? Like, I think maybe the closest might be working in the round or in a situation where audience is really close up to you, right? Um, so I'm wondering if you can talk about um, the, the 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 style of the show or the way the show is presented and how you maybe needed to adjust your performance style or energy or if or if it really all is just completely brand new every night and and uh you're just kind of figuring it out still three months later yeah i think first auditioning for this show um we didn't really get that immersive uh experience, I suppose. Uh, it was more so just the traditional um, audition process. I know I went in, I think, seven to eight times in within two, two and a half weeks, which was insane. Um, but I feel like it was pretty standard. You go in with side songs and whatnot. And I think we finally got the immersive experience when we started rehearsals in the church. We saw the set built and that's, I think, when it kind of hit. And with the uh, preview process and the rehearsal process, I noticed like with this immersive experience, it feels, it makes the story a lot more personal, which is exactly why it is immersive because it is a personal story for all of us Filipinos telling it um, and for also the audience to experience it. I think it's really, really cool how we take the audience through the journey of uh of the Marcos regime and Imelda and their life and then them turning into villains and the audience realizes halfway through that they've been cheering on and clapping for these awful people and I think you can only really do that 
through the immersive experience. And you have, there's this one part in the show, um, it's called Don't You Agree Slash Pretty Face when Marcos is going around and campaigning. And what Amelda and Marcos do, they go into the audience on the blender, which is the um, middle stage, and they shake everyone's hands in the audience saying, thank you for your vote, thank you for your vote. And people are shaking their hands, they're cheering for them. And I think that is such a, a special way to storytell because you're really getting the audience involved in the story. And it, it's exactly what this type of show needs. So it's been it's been different for sure and getting used to it. Um, but I I really enjoy the how personal it is and how you can look into an audience's face and smile with them and and uh, connect with them in a way that I think a traditional musical theater show can't do. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I mean, luckily for me, like last semester, we did uh, like a semi-immersive environmental production of Pippin. And so like when I found out that we were going to do, um, I, I, like when I heard that Pure Life Love was like, look, like looking to be this immersive, like revolutionary musical, I was like, oh, like, word, like I'm auditioning for that. Like I'm actually ready for that. Um, but some, I guess something I really have to like, pay, uh, pay respect to my program for, because like, there's a class that I'm taking this semester, which is called Physical Theater, which is taught by Stephanie Bettenbland, who's worked with, I don't know if you're familiar with like a, a show called Sleep Memoirs in New York City, and, uh, and, and Punchdrunk, and like how they have really like uh, done a lot of like immersive work, like in Europe as well as in the US, not a place around the world. But um, for me, like getting to realize love and being in that rehearsal process, um, I, I was really lucky to have like kind of had somewhat of an introduction in um, interacting with audience members like while performing um, and of course like with each each audience is going to be different as, and as a result you're going to get different responses right and so like that that's I feel like one of the things that I really enjoy about our show is that like no matter how well we know the show or, or whatever, there's so many moving parts and each audience is different and the way we need to approach each audience is going to be different as a result. Um, so that just keeps things really exciting and honestly really engaging. And um, yeah, like it, it's just fun playing with the different tactics that we can use, you know, to really, really incorporate them into the show. I love that, Nathan, and and it leads me to to one of the big questions that Kikawa and I want to ask the two of you, and you spoke to this a little bit, is, you know, having, I mean, literally finishing up your BFA or having just finished up your BFA, now working on Broadway in one of the hottest new shows on Broadway, what were some things that, um, besides that uh, immersive experience that you had just mentioned of uh, Pippin, what were some things in your BFA programs or in any of your theater education that you feel really helped prepare you uh, to live this lifestyle of eight shows a week in, in this particular show? I think for me, it, it truly is a blessing to go to school in New York City because they're given the resources of the city. You know, you can go on auditions while still, still being in school and taking dance classes at BDC and making those connections um, with other theater makers. And I think that's really helped me. But specifically in school, I would say having a good voice teacher has helped so much. I give all of my praise to my voice teacher, Chris York, who when I had my first lesson with him, he sat me down and he was like, OK, let's talk about one. What do you want out of your career and what roles do you see yourself playing? So we kind of went through that and he's like, OK, now I want you to make a spreadsheet of all the current Broadway shows 
that are on right now and what role you would be good for. And I was like, that's a really good idea. And so I made that and then I gave it to him and he gave me the audition packets for each show um, mm. that's currently on Broadway. That way I can practice. Uh, we can practice it together. And that way, if I do get called into that show, I already know the material. So I think that helps a lot staying up to date with what's on Broadway, how you fit into roles on Broadway. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, for me, I feel like a lot of my, uh, a lot of what I took from school and I'm still taking from school, um, specifically has been how to take care of myself because eight shows a week is unlike anything else. Right. Like there's, you know, I can, I can go to class as much as I want. I can put as much as I want. I can take all this information as much as I want. But if, if I'm not living a healthy lifestyle, then I can't expect my body to be able to execute what I need to execute. And something I really appreciate about our program is how our professors, like over the course of my like last three, almost like of my last semester here, um, giving us like, like real life experiences that they have gone through in order for us to be like as, as much prepared as we can in order to encounter an HOE. Because when, when we first started doing them, I, to be completely frank, I was not ready. I was exhausted. My body was hurting. My voice was tired. I wasn't eating nearly as much as I need to eat. I wasn't hydrating as much as I need to eat. And luckily, like through this program and like through my time here, um, on the East Coast since I've moved from San Jose. Uh, a lot of what I've also taken from home as well is like the fact that like when it's time to relax, like you need to relax. You know, finding times within your day in this busy school schedule where you can give yourself 10 minutes and just like check in and like see how your body's doing, like how am I today, how the clothes feel on my body, just to make sure that I'm present in order to be able to execute the best work that I, I want to execute. Um, that that was a lot of I feel like what I was able to take from here was just to be able to like sit down and relax and grab myself in order to be ready to take on the work. Yeah. Also, going off of that, I just thought about how different this experience is for both of us as well because we're part of this new show, so we had previews, preview rehearsal, had to learn something new maybe that day, and then implement it the night for the show, and. You know, it's not just the shows at night, you know, and still we have understudy rehearsals. So Tuesday one or Wednesday, Thursdays, we're here from 12 to four and then have to do a show after. So it, those are the things that I think wouldn't necessarily prepare you within like a BFA program. It's just more of like, you have to do it. But going off of what Nathan said is you just have to be so aware of your body and yourself. And if you really don't feel well, then you take the day and you need to take care of yourself and I don't think there should be any shame in calling out and saying that I need to take care of myself because that's first and foremost the most important thing for to be able to do a show oh my gosh this is so great these these answers are, are exactly what we're the the current students are looking for what current faculty is looking for um I personally love that San Jose to Broadway pipeline as a friend of the show, Aaron Albano has been on. Um, I talk about San Jose all the time because I, I think it gets lost in the ether, but there's just, there's culture, there's art, like there's real true technique and training. So anyways, it's kind of amazing. Um, my question, um, I also have a connection with um, Billy Bustamante, who was, was a UART alum. Um, when I saw the show, it was Leia Salonga's 
maybe second to last performance. And then Ariel mm. Jacobs, like absolute icon. Um, and so mm. I'm wondering if either of you have, uh, I mean, even just being in Leia's presence, I was like, you're, you're, uh, you're amazing. You are, you are just amazing. Um, so I'm wondering, um, as being new to this Broadway thing and like, figuring this out, what lessons or things that you may have learned from, from people who've been around for a little bit longer than you? Have there been things that you're like, yes, I am, I'm going to do that from now on, um, from any of those people or beyond? One thing that comes to mind is uh, from Leia Salonga. I, it, one, it was just an incredible experience, even being able to be in her presence, nonetheless work with her and have her become a part of the family. It truly is so, so special, especially she's an icon. Um, but one thing I noticed about her and something that she's that she stays true to is that she doesn't take crap from anybody. You know, and I think like, yes, yeah, she's at a, a, obviously a different level than us, but I think it's also important for us young people to understand that as well and to fight for our rights and stand up for what we believe in. And I think that's something that Leia has made imperative. Mm -hmm. That's, it, it's, it's, yeah, very special. Absolutely. Um, and I, there's something that I asked her actually before she had left. I was like, uh, I think, I think what I asked her was, from the beginning of your career to now, what is something that hasn't changed? And her answer was the enjoyment. And I was like, oh, I was like, right. Cause she was like, if it's not fun, then why am I doing it? And that, I feel like that was a really good reminder or a really good thing to kind of be um, aware of early on, especially now with all these crazy things happening and like all these like revolutionary things happening and all the press and all these excitement and, and, and the traction that our show is getting is to remember like why we're doing it in the first place. Cause um, I'm the type of person to like, be like so excited for opportunity that I kind of forget to be grateful for what I already have. Um, and hearing that coming from her, especially like someone that's really paved the way for people like us to even be able to do this, you know, was, it was a really like heartwarming thing to hear. And I think something that everybody should remember and in order to enjoy things, you know, you, you have to, like, again, going back to taking care of yourself, you know, like, you can't expect yourself to enjoy something if you're not eating properly or getting enough rest, you know, because then you're just exhausted and then it doesn't become fun. Anymore. It becomes tiresome or stressful. And it's just really about balance. And I think balance is probably the word I'd use to describe her because she's just so, like, she's just, it's like ethereal. It's just, it's amazing. So um, I want to follow up on the question that I had asked earlier about the things in your BFA programs that prepared you for the industry. Um, at, in, we, Kikau and I both are growth mindset human beings, and we're constantly looking for ways that we can improve. Uh, it's the whole reason we started this podcast is to try to, you know, get ideas and 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 learn from our mistakes. Uh, I'm curious if either of you have things and 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 Nathan this might be a little touchy for you since you are literally not just in school but at the school while we're talking. Um but I'm curious if there is anything now that you are in a Broadway show performing eight times a week that you could 
that your BFA program could have prepared you for better or something that was maybe when you look at the curriculum now, you you wish you would have had the opportunity to learn and explore at the university level that you didn't? I think with my time at Pace, and I think with any BFA program you're in, you're going to get what you put into it. And for me, having no musical theater background before starting college, I took these four years for myself to really put in my all. So I think, I mean, musical theater programs can only give you so much. It's the person that needs to put in the work. And even after class, going to a studio and, and practicing and whatnot. But what they did do very well was in my senior year, we had a semester with uh, Pat Goodwin, who's a casting director at Telsey, and he taught us the business of show. So everything outside the realm of auditioning and um, performance, it was all about kind of the what's happening in the background, like what fees are you going to be paying, agent fees, management fees, how much is uh, being part of equity, how much is SAG? And I think that was so imperative within my uh, training to understand that sort of thing because I think as performers and musical theater performers specifically we're we're kind of like freelancers you know like we're uh our business is ourselves and we have to understand the business in order to be able to succeed and I think that class helped my my class the class of 23 understand what was happening behind the scenes so I really appreciated that and then we also apart from having four years of classical acting training and contemporary acting training. We also had TV and film uh, class, which was really nice to have. And our professor would give us sides from different TV shows. And then we would also have to learn how to self-tape for those things. And the difference between self-taping for film and TV versus for musical theater, which I didn't really understand there was a difference, but that class helped me so much. It, it's very distinct differences when self-taping and that's something that now we're living in a generation of just sending in tapes and learning that in a classroom environment helped a lot in getting feedback from a professor on our self tapes. Well, for me, I think something that I wish I'd had sooner was, uh, I think, I, it's, it's funny now because now that I, as I say this, I actually have implemented these things into the program. Because one thing in my program is really good, I was like, if we need something or there's this kind of shift in the industry, like they're made aware to it and are able to make the necessary changes to our curriculum that advocate for that. Um, but I, I wish I had, I, I, I came to college with no dance training at all um, or really vocal training at all. Like I kind of knew what, how to act, but like not really, I had no technique, kind of just like, I, I like felt like I had to do it this way or whatever. But um, I, I wish that I guess earlier on in um, my uh, time here at Montclair, that I had been, um, I always forget the exact word for it, but um, I, I wish that I was given voice and speech my first semester. And the reason I say that is because there's so much, doing eight shows a week really, I feel like has taught me really to not um, stress my voice out. Um, because like when we first started doing previews, like there's this, this point in the show called Riots and Bombs. I do a lot of yelling, like a lot of yelling. And um, like after the first week, like my voice was just shot. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, don't forget your training, like, like learn how to do this healthily. 
And I went back and I like talked to him to my classmates that were like in the classmates like, hey, so like there's this thing that I do in the show that I'm in right now. Like, how do you think I should go about it? And they were like, Oh, like remember what to speak? And I was like, Oh right. And it was just kind of like sophomore year here. I feel like in many like musical theater programs, like super stressful. Like there's like a lot of course load, you like start your voice lessons or your like your your course load gets a lot heavier and um like voice of speech is just one of those things that I, I kind of went over my head. Um, but like now later on, I'm like really reflecting back on that and like reflecting on like healthy usage of my voice and like using my breath and like how to breathe correctly and most effectively in order to like um, think about like sustainability. Yeah. I, I just also, love that in, oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I just thought of something else as well that was really helpful is um, Pace has this thing called Artists in Residence where they'll have like guest stars and or stars, um, guest performing performers and artists come um, to the school, and uh, they'll either direct a workshop or you just get to work with them on a certain thing. And some of the stuff that I was able to do at my time at Pace because of an artist in residence was I did a workshop of a new show that Victoria Clark was able to direct and being able to work with her, and then another show with Justin Greeny who directed. And my freshman year. Um, I was able to work for Disney theatrics on the uh, workshop musical of The Greatest Showman, which I feel it's, I, I truly do think it is like a, a New York City school thing though, because like you do have those connections and there's people that are currently working on Broadway that wanna do um, some teaching and whatnot. So I think that's definitely a, um, a thing of going to school in the city. Sarah, um, I wanted to follow up on a comment that you made earlier because I was quite literally having a conversation with one of my students yesterday um, who identifies as half Mexican and half white. And she was expressing to me her displacement, a feeling of displacement because she doesn't feel white enough to be the white roles. She doesn't feel Mexican enough to be the the Latinx roles. And and I tried to give her the best guidance I, I can, but obviously I'm coming from a, a cis white male place of incredible privilege. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, cause you know, you, you, you shared with us that that identity with, with yourself, the, your mixed identity and, and, and that similar feeling. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could tell me how to guide her. What can I tell this student in terms of um, helping her feel like there's a place for her in the greater musical theater landscape? Yeah. I think it's hard when you go out into the professional world and you go into an audition room and almost 90% of what you do in that room is so above what you can do because it's based on how you look and what color your hair is. And I think it's important to remember those things that there's so much that is out of our control. And I think something obviously that I don't think is learned in a BFA program, but it's more so learned for yourself is just having a sense of yourself and understanding who you are. For me throughout college, yeah, that was a hard uh, thing to navigate, trying to figure out what roles I'm good for. But instead of looking at um, people who may have previously played the role, you you have to look at the character and what they bring to the table. What's the story? At the end of the day, we're storytellers. And if you're able to tell that story in an authentic way, then that's what matters. 
And you kind of have to forget about all of this external stuff that that we can't do anything about. It's hard. It's really hard to navigate. And it's still something that you have to think about these days. And it's also important that when you do get a role or an agent like sends you something that you can't even audition for it. If it specifically says a certain race, then and you're not that race, then it's probably not best to go out for that role. But at the end of the day, if it is something that you're fit for and you feel like you can play that role, that's all that matters. This is amazing. I mean, I love that just connecting this, what you just said to what you're currently doing, which is um, being that representation for people, um, young people, old people, we get to see ourselves on stage and then can become inspired and go, oh, there is a place for us and and I can do this and I can continue to, to dream my dreams, um, which is amazing. Um, I also love that both of your examples of uh, that film and TV uh, experience as well as voice and speech find themselves directly at the center of the storytelling that's happening in Here Lies Love Every Night, right? There is like on-camera technique that needs to happen in the context of the play. So it's like kind of one of those perfect, everything is inside of this show kind of spaces. So if, if it were me, I will say, and will continue to say, my recommendation is to go and see Here Lies Love. Uh, but at this point in our show, we would love for you to tell us any recommendation that you have. We've told you a little bit about this, but anything that you're currently obsessed with or even uh, a, a method or some sort of training fun for our uh, young people listening to the show. Uh, I feel like right now, it, it's been really hard, honestly, to have some me time outside of the show, but that's we're working through it, especially because under understudy rehearsals are still underway. Um, there's not a lot of time that we get to ourselves. Last night, we had uh, DJ Fatboy Slim do a set after the show, which was insane. Um, that's besides the point, though. <laughs> um, but I try to keep up with pop music. I love R&B and pop music. So I st try to stay true to that, even though, um, you know, musical theater is my job and something that I do and am passionate about but also listening to pop music olivia rodrigo just came out with a new song bad idea i've been obsessed with who is also filipino so i'm like pinoy bride <laughs> um oh gosh i had something else um oh as for acting techniques i feel like most of my four years we've really focused on meisner which i think has been the most helpful for me and i also just did a self-tape <laughs> before this and um, and that still continued to help me is finding the truth in the circumstance. Um, and that's something that I've taken with me outside of college. That's great. Nathan? For me, uh, I feel like a lot of what I love about my programs that we learned is called viewpoints. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with viewpoints, um, but viewpoints is basically like getting on the grid and interacting with your architecture and taking in your impulses from around you. Uh, we, we wasn't cross-cultures. I totally recommend that, especially for like the nature of our show too, um, because it forces you to be so present. It, it lets you be in the moment, as well as taking in like everything around you. And like our show, like the lighting is just incredible. Mm -hmm. The spatial audio is fantastic. Just that, so like getting on the grid and doing viewpoints has really allowed me to incorporate all of these externals into what's happening with me internally. Um, totally would recommend that. Also, um, I think it's called acting the first 
second, a lot of people don't know about this book. Uh, it's, for some reason, it's not in many curriculums. I forget who the author is. I'm so sorry. But I would totally recommend to read that book. Um, it puts things so um, simply. You know, it, it, it gets rid of like all the fluff. I feel like some um, acting teachers may, may use when teaching. And it just makes things very specific, very practical. Speaking of practical, practical handbook for the actor, totally would recommend that as well. Um, also recommend listening to interviews of, of actors that um, that have been in the business for a while and have like a really good in-depth understanding of their craft. Um, in the envelopes, one of those great ones. I feel like listening to like professional actors speak on their personal experiences has been very useful with me. Some, uh, not necessarily comparing, but like seeing how they approach their work and like what similarities I may have when it comes to my work. Yeah. Um, in terms of listening to music, I listen to a lot of violence. Um, but I also have recently really been listening to a lot of jungle. Um, jungle is just, yeah, it's just uh, the, the duo, um, and they've been coming out with these music videos that have like really picked up a lot of traction, especially on like social media. TikTok has been huge, back to 74. Like, just like it's so it's so good and the choreographers from the Netherlands and like grew up doing street dance and it's just really like amazing to see like those styles of dance really taking uh, like a front and center moment, um, which I feel like has been that that has happened for so long and I'm so happy that it's finally happening. Um, yeah, so those are my recommendations. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned Jungle because we just interviewed two members of the cast of Anne Juliet and Tiernan, um, whose name I'm last name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. Tiernan, that was her recommendation. That she said that's like that's her jam. That's what she listens to on her headphones. Um, I'm going to let uh, Kikau wrap us up and take us home, but I just want to say thank you so much for carving out the time. I know how busy your schedule is, uh, Nathan, especially. Uh, juggling school. I don't know how you're doing it. Um, you're an absolute rock star, but Kikau, why don't you, why don't you wrap us up? Yeah. Thank you both. You were truly are an inspiration to us all and to the world. And we wish you the best of luck with the rest of the run. Um, and if you ever find yourself in Philadelphia, I'm having you both teach a workshop. I'm so excited. Um, but thank you. God bless you. And we'll see you soon. I actually have two more things, if that's okay. Literally, oh, do it. bring it, do it, bring it. I was like, oh my gosh, these are also important points. I had to write it down. Um, one thing, being in musical theater school as well, you're given assignments where maybe you have to play a certain age. And I feel like for me, like things that I've done in musical theater school are above my age range that maybe are like you're playing 40 and you get into the professional world and you're like, well, I can't play 40 years old. You know what I mean? So I think also finding the connect between what we're learning in school that maybe not be um, aged, uh, maybe appropriate to um, the professional world. There's also that gap. But to go into my second point, I was thinking about that and what's actually helped. And also um, with the kind of internal conflict of um, being half white, half Asian is the idea of type. And we're always told about type, but what I've learned in my uh, BFA program is that we need to get rid of the idea of type. And it's more so about your essence and something going into the professional world and auditioning, especially for this show, when I was called in to play Imelda, I was like, I'm 
I'm like 12 years old. How do you, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think what I had to remember is to get rid of the idea of type and, and that, that age gap and just uh, be able to have the essence of this character. And I think that's helped so much is the, the idea of essence versus type. Amazing. So perfect. Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit joshuahaigmusic.com.